welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Hello and welcome to Just Dads Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with my friend Matt. <laughs> uh, boy, I'm excited because today is another part of our series. Now we're doing like a series. This is like a whole season about series of unfortunate events. It's a yeah. series about series of unfortunate events. And I'm very stoked because today is book eight. Uh, this is not only, you know, getting deep into the series, but I looked it up. Page count wise, we have crossed the halfway point. The halfway of t- of total page count of the whole series oh, happens wow. in about the last quarter of this book. So we are now, you and I, officially halfway through the series. Even oh, though you we looked have, that up. That's I did. crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, I counted all of the pages. No, that's insane. You shouldn't do things like that. No, uh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. That means we have a lot left. It's crazy that we're only halfway yeah, through, yeah. really, the series. Right, there's five books left, but most of the series <laughs> right. has, has yet to happen. Ooh, that's fun. That's a fun way of thinking about it. But yeah, the, no, we, I'm excited to cover the hostile hospital. Yeah, really cool. Uh, this is one that we are now officially in the arc of the series where the kids are firmly on the run like we said in last uh series of unfortunate episode the vile village ends anyone being in charge of the baudelaire's Mm -hmm. they just they just leave the vile village they leave the town they run they are running away and in this one they come across this hospital Mm -hmm. they're they're trying to solve the mystery of what's going on with whatever the VFD is. They're right. trying to find the quagmires. Right. And they're trying to continue to escape the clutches of Count Olaf. Right. And in this one, it's more of the VFD thing than anything else. It's very much they are digging around trying to get information. And from going forward, I think you'll yeah. find that that's going to be kind of the case of these books. I mean... Uh, Carnival Carnival's kind of a fun little sidestep. Mm-hmm. Um, the next book, and then yeah, the last four are very much just like, all right, here we go. Here's like, the plot we're in the, <laughs> of this we're, series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how this series starts out too, because mm-hmm. uh, we start out with us with a book that about Sonny getting kidnapped, and then book four is about Klaus getting kidnapped, yep. and then we have this book. <laughs> um, so we have the Klaus and Sonny show. Yeah, and it does. This one does get wacky. This um, is a really goofy one. Uh, it, it is. It, it is to. So what EJ was referencing, we're gonna we lose Violet in this one. She gets yep. knocked unconscious, and it is a book about Klaus and Sonny trying mm-hmm. to save Violet. Uh, but more so than that one, this is the book that feels like the overarching plot and the setting are like the most removed, disconnected. From each other. Yeah, yeah, completely. There disconnected. is no reason for us to be in this hospital. Nope. There's no reason for this hospital to like. There, the, the, a big part of this book is them looking through this library of records that the hospital has. Right. It's going to have a bunch of information about them, about the VFD, about like a lot of stuff that like important things are at this hospital. Why? Like, why is this hospital such a big deal? It's, yeah. it's hard to parse. So it feels very detached and it just feels like Lemony Snicket uh, wanted a book 
about a hospital, and this is when that needed. It's a, it was his last chance before he had to get out the door with the rest of the plot. I wonder if he came up with the volunteers fighting disease first, right. and then was just like, and so where yeah. would they go? Well, yeah. they go to a half finished hospital, <laughs> he, I guess. He sets himself up with like the hardest kind of, acronym yeah. to reference right. constantly, and the whole point of VFD is it's going to like be used in like a million different ways. Right. The the seventh book is the village of something foul devotees, foul devotees yeah. which is like a it, they're just bird it's hilarious cult. it's a bird he's, cult he's clearly <laughs> set up like intentionally a very hard acronym to like easily apply things to right so that it's very stark every time you get a new acronym we're like really is that it's that it's it's volunteer <laughs> that's what you're going and, with and the big thing with this one is at the end of the last book we learned that volunteer is a core word yes in this acronym and this one we get the volunteers fighting disease like you said which is ends up pretty early on being revealed and even like Klaus is like I don't think this is what we're looking for yeah, this yeah, ain't yeah. it uh, we'll keep looking this, this ain't it but like okay like we're gonna hang out with these folks these weirdos these yeah. weirdo these freaks yeah. these absolute freaks it, they are just people that are trying to patch atoms all over this hospital <laughs> but they're so, <laughs> so terrible at atoms. it they're, they're really bad at it they think that their laughter is yeah. gonna cure all disease and it's like well th the medicine is actually still a critical part of it and the point of patch adams is he's also a doctor yeah and y'all are just people carrying balloons through a hospital and singing and annoyingly singing. <laughs> yeah so yeah so this one is a is the klaus and sunny show but early on we we meet another character kind of a lovable character in hal hal yeah. is the library keeper they kind of I, I feel like lemony snicket in this one just kind of half set stuff up mm -hmm. it, i agree it, I, this one uh comes across weaker than i remember it being i think it's an important book in the series because yeah. it's about some important mysteries mm -hmm. but yeah it feels like we're half trying at at some of the elements we need hal is an interesting character because hal is an all right dude and this book makes a really big point to sort of really badger you with the idea that the baudelaire's sort of betray hal um, even though it's a thing that doesn't even feel like that big of a deal. Like they basically tell Hal a white lie, but they treat it like a very, very big deal uh, over the course of the book that they've lied to Hal. Right. And in the end, it's like a big, it's why Hal betrays them. Yeah, in the exactly. end. And it's like all of this feels a little bit unearned, a little bit like that's just what the plot device needed to be. The plot device essentially just needed to be that they found a library of records. Right. It, it makes it sound like library of records are actually kind of common. It's just they needed a <laughs> right. place with them. Yeah. And this place has one. Right. And then like there just happened to be a job for them in yep. that library. And so they... They go down, they do their job. Uh, the biggest thing is that they find out, like we had said, that that, that one of their parents is still alive. Right. Um, Maybe. It's it's a big, it's very, it, it, you. I don't know, I definitely get, and I don't know where this series goes, but I, my interpretation is definitely like that I'm being set up. To, and I'm being lied to. I definitely get the sense of like the kids think maybe one of their parents is alive and something different is going to be the case because it's very sketchy information. Mm -hmm. uh, the big thing with this is the information that they do find is the 13th page of a series of like documents of 13 pages. And yeah. we we don't have we don't have the whole story because all we have is a 13th page. And the big thing to this book too that that I think is like a major point going forward is. We know that Count Olaf is like a bad dude and he wants the Baudelaire's fortune. But I think up until this book, you get the sense that like the first book, 
they were dumped into Count Olaf's lap, and then suddenly he wanted their fortune. I think you could have that impression. Right. And this is the book that sells you on the idea that Count Olaf knows more right. about everything going on than we have previously understood. Count yeah. Olaf is looking for these pages right. as well, and it's not something the kids presented to Olaf. Olaf is looking for more information about the Baudelaire's and about VFD, and he knows more about VFD than he's letting on, and Jacques had this tattoo, and there's that's not a coincidence, and you just are really getting pieces set into place that... Olaf might be responsible for some stuff. I just realized too that my library of records theory can't be true because they're there to destroy documents as mm-hmm. if they're the only documents that exist. So this right. must be the only library the of place, records. Right. In our universe. What an odd. Uh, okay. I, it's I'm a critically almost... important piece of the overall puzzle. <laughs> right. And it is also the most sidesteppy of yeah. a plot. Like it's the most just like, and then they had to go to a hospital real quick. <laughs> this one feels, yeah. The last time I felt like a book was this loose in the series was Miserable Mill. Right. Like, um, yeah. Which is funny because I actually enjoyed reading this one. And yeah, yeah. It was kind of weird. It was an enjoyable it's a book. I like this one a lot. Yeah. Even yeah, though yeah. It just like feel you, you the whole time you're just like, is this a tangent? It can't be a tangent because really important <laughs> stuff is happening, but it still feels like such a tangent. Matt, I want to talk about when do you when what decade is this <laughs> is this whole story set in? That's the be- no. That's what you're getting at is the beauty of series of unfortunate right. events, and why I think the TV show is actually kind of miraculous, right? That it accomplishes what it's what it accomplishes, and also to give the movie credit, people don't give the movie movie much credit, right? But the movie is also good. At they this. are all so good at, at nailing the style of series of unfortunate events, which is this freaky, timeless era where right. like it could kind of be the fifties. Like it's like the cars right, and it's a little bit post industrial. It's like middle yeah. of post industrial revolution. There's not cell phones or anything like no. it, it definitely feels like that. But there's telegraph, there's telegraph, there's but it, aspects <laughs> of it still feel so modern. Right. It's a very weird. I, I think it is such a unique style all its own. And yeah, if I had to peg it down, I would call it like. 40s or 50s basically right. like a post-world okay. war ii pre-60s kind of world yes um but that can be broken and there's certain areas where it's like well that's it's definitely earlier than that or it's definitely later than that in right this we'd have to pin pinpoint like every like single yeah. thing that was invented right. <laughs> you know in, you know it's amazing to me in in what in, time in it was thinking invented. through this right now with you yeah they're never on a train exactly there's never a train no in these and you would i would expect that a train there's always cars there's cars it's but really no train it's really weird man I there is know. a train in the movie do you remember that i don't remember you don't remember that it's actually in one of the books really it's is in there a train? Uh, there's Among- a train is it in the books i don't know if that scene's in the books but it's definitely in the movie yeah the car gets stuck on the tracks and and violet has to oh, like yeah. throw something it's at really like funny. the lever to get the train to, to go That's on a right. different track yeah there's sort of a suggestion of trains there could be more uh, trains there, there this could be, be steampunkier man it's like steampunk without the steampunk yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> put it. yeah I don't know how else it's, to put it. it's it's dirt and smog punk <laughs> there's a really so that yeah there's a really interesting scene in this one so they do find that 13th page it's a document essentially of the or a large of a larger document i should say and uh, there's a picture, and in that picture, there's Jacques, yep. who is standing there, and then there is a man with his back turned, uh-huh. um, who we must assume is the author, right. and then there is 
the parents. mom and dad. Yeah. And uh, and on it, it says like it essentially says like one of these people is still or one of the survivor. There is a survivor of the of Baudelaire the fire. fire. Right. Um, but we don't fully know like the context of that. basically. Right. And, well, we know that both Jacques is alive and right. we both and Lemony is alive. Right. Obviously. Yeah. This well, is Jacques, and Jacques not alive well, anymore. Well, well Jacques was post fire. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. Right. So, depending on when this document was uh, published, uh, right. we, we have some information. So there. I guess the understanding then is, you know, is, you know, are <laughs> they weren't, surely they weren't part of the fire, yeah. right? Like right. they had to have not been there. So we're trying to understand whether or not, you know, Lemony Snicket essentially was in this fire right. or if Jacques was in that fire. Right. It's also. a good, it's a good little without overstating it. It's a wonderful way of putting a lot of the, we, something we haven't talked about very much on this show uh, in these episodes yep. is about the fact of like each book ends with a, a note, a found piece of thing that hints at what the next book is about. If you read the bat, like if you read the description of each book, it's from an in-universe perspective, like what you have in your hands is the document of this thing. Right. Like the, the Lemony Snicket investigation is very forward, is very a, a prominent part of the, the, the telling of these stories even outside of the page. There's a metatextual thing going on in these books that's super fascinating. And like you only glean that if you've been like properly sitting down with each book and, and, and this right. one, like you said, there's a person who's facing away and like anyone who's been like really digesting the layout of these books and, and like reading the little blurb at the end to see what the next book is about. You would very easily assume it's Lemony Snicket. Cause like there's constantly pictures of Lemony, like the back of every book, the author right. photo of Lemony Snicket is him with his back turned away. Yeah. So when you get that description, you're like, I think that's probably Lemony. And yeah, I know, yeah. I know Jacques is named that. Snicket. And I know this it's right. Like, you right. put all these pieces together right. in such an interesting way that I, I think is something we haven't, like given enough information about the series because you described it as an ARG. Like it, it really is. Yeah. Like it picks up in this book where you're like, I need, I, it's not enough to just, and it's why the audio books, I think don't tell the whole story. You need the art. You need like the layout of everything. Um, th there's more being told in these stories than just the words on the page. So these books were huge in the mid two thousands. And the reason I know that is because I, remember watching this show that came on after slime time and i can't remember the name of the show that came on after slime time uh -huh. um, but it was this weird looking dude with glasses uh -huh. and there was this other co-host uh, that was a lady i don't know their names i've i've tried finding it matt there's no way you're going to be able to find okay. it i don't okay. think i don't I think i won't maybe. find it while we're maybe I, you may be able to look up the nickelodeon <laughs> schedule circa 2003 or whatever right. and find whatever i'm looking for but this this book reminds me of around that time of these books getting so big to where like they were like that like these two like over the top hosts of mm -hmm. this show because slime time was hosted by a guy who was like really like kind of down to earth oh really but then but then there was this show that was like these it was like sugar right mm -hmm. there was it was like they they come on and I then there's agree. like a show that plays like in between maybe like there's episodes of spongebob or something <laughs> that go on while they're like uh -huh. they're like the commercial break yeah. right but they're just super high energy, and they're like, "We're gonna have Lemony Snicket in the studio today." That's wild. And I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited, Matt. That Lemony I've Snicket never. Was this is the first time. This is the first time I've ever been baited so hard. That's really. And funny. it was like this is kind of pre-internet in yeah, a way, yeah. right? Like this. I mean, internet wasn't good in the early to mid two sure. thousands. wasn't good enough to like use yeah. 
like as a child. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so this means that like, I'm like, Oh, like I, I can't look up who Daniel Handler is. Sure, you know, yeah, I don't know yeah. who he is. Like, it's so, it's, yeah. I remember being a kid and just being like, I'm is lemony Snicket real is or he not? Real? What right. is going on? Right. Yeah. So they it were like, like, he's they were gonna breaking be, me. He's going to be in the studio. And so like each time we would, they would cut to a commercial, it'd be like, all right, here he is. And it's like, this guy, it looks just like him in the book, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like a guy in like a huge trench coat, yeah. has like a big old cap on, and he's keeping his head down. But they, <laughs> they have like security footage of him Whoa. like walking around, right? And he's like, and they're like, he's going to come up. And he's like uh-huh. getting in the elevator. He's coming up now. And then like the next commercial break, he's like, oh, the the elevator's jammed. Really? And I the, have no, they, I've never saw this. This is the saddest, amazing. The, the saddest moment of my life after that, which is <laughs> which is that the elevator, like so, something happens to the elevator. And it ends up that he can't make it to the floor that they're on. And it's this the last shot as you see him walking out of the studio. And you don't and get you don't with actually Snicket. get to see any of it. That is so beautiful. That is so <laughs> no, what a sucks. cool what a cool thing to exist though. This this world is so invested in itself. And yeah. Daniel Handler pulled off like right. a work of magic I think so. to make this whole series work the way that it works. Um I'm, of course, this one I was half reading and half listening mm-hmm. to. I would just bounce back and forth, which was super fun uh, because this time I went into it realizing I'm listening to Tim Curry right now and this matters. <laughs> and I'm listening to the music of the magnetic fields. And yep. like I just sat an and experience. enjoyed it so much more. Uh, and, and and so not to disc- – I earlier discredited the audiobook, but it's still doing a lot. And it even like – they recite to you the found footage stuff, but it's like it's not the same as like the literal artwork of what the thing looks like. It like it is always a document that you are looking at. In the, in the case of this one, there's like a torn up letter that you just right. can catch little bites of sentences. Of it. it just says "survivor of the boldel" and of Chabo the wolf baby and Madame Lulu. Man, that's a that's a reminder of what yeah. the next yeah. one's gonna be. Yeah, Madame Lulu. Yeah. But I just think it's so fascinating that like it is starting to work at this point. Yes. Before this, again, it was just this like, and this time, well, it, f- it felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. Right. What, what will the gang get up to next week? And this one is where the whole thing really feels like it's coming together uh, and preparing for some kind of catharsis. It's starting to propel itself forward. Yes. Um, whereas we kind of, so, I mean, you got to think the first hint we get at VFD is all the way back in book five. So right. we've been through book six and book seven. Yeah. And now we're through book eight and we had to like, and we've still learned almost nothing. We've learned one word of what VFD stands for. And now we've learned that maybe one of the parents is alive. So giving us information very slowly, I think the next book, the next two books really um, snowball. Like they are like, I remember Carnivorous Carnival being something that's just like, all right, this yeah. the the overarching plot's going to pick up. What's exciting is I have no memory of Carnivorous Carnival outside of Wolf Baby. Seeing that word, yeah, go, oh, I remember that picture, but I don't, I don't, I really don't remember anything that's yep. happening. And I remember a lot of Hostile Hospital. I very much, especially remember just like the cover. Uh, oh, the it. cover I, is I, like I, I feel like it's a really noteworthy one. But yeah. from here on out, I would say I feel like I'm going in blind again. Again, I've read books nine and 10 and probably 11, but I don't have a distinct memory of like what happens in them. So like from here on out, I'm very much kind of going in blind. This is a new, a new thing for me, which is very, very exciting because, uh, it's the part of, I mean, we're really just setting up the mystery in these last two books and I've never had the mystery solved for myself. So it's just very fun to like finally be retackling the actual mystery of this series. 
we uh, do need to talk about the last act of this book. Yeah. <laughs> which, how to, how to start. Essentially, Violet gets knocked out. Um, every one of Count Olaf's henchmen are creeps. They're yeah. just creepo, creepos, right. Right. creep, creep, creepies. Don't like them. Don't like them one bit. Um, but yeah, so they are, they are, you know, back to making some weird comments about Violet in sure. this one, which sucks. Yeah. And then, but... Um, <laughs> Klaus and Sonny, who Klaus, if you've ever seen Klaus on the cover of one of these books, yeah. Klaus is like four feet tall. Maybe. He's got a, he's got he's a look. He's very, very small. He's he's like almost Sonny's height. Yeah. Like he's not he's not very he's not very tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Klaus and Sonny both disguise themselves as doctors mm-hmm. in this one. Matt, to their credit, they're disguising themselves. They don't realize they're doing it, but they end up disguising themselves as the. Uh, white-faced women. The, yeah, okay. The, the makeup, uh, overly... How, and, and, f- how fooled. And you, and you know those women are short, I guess? Uh, one of They're these just, one of these characters is a baby, though. Yeah. And that's different than being short. I just, yeah. I wanted to let you know that, listener, yeah, it that turns short out. and baby <laughs> are actually two different things. Two different body types, for sure. <laughs> two different body types. Um, but they somehow convinced the hook-handed man and... Uh, and the bald, Esme. And the bald man... Well, and Esme briefly, but Esme is kind of like on a mission at that. Sure, moment. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just like, "Hey, here, hold this." But yeah, knife. tricking a bunch of adults that they are. That they are actually seventy-year-old short women, right? Yeah. So who knows with what's going on there? But anyways, not uh, Klaus ends up with this knife. Uh, it's a big old Bowie knife, is yeah. what it is. It's serrated. Um, and they are going to do a craniectomy. They're gonna take. They're gonna take Violet's head. They're off. gonna. Yeah, it's very graphic the way it's described. They're just like we're gonna take her head off, and yeah. they're like discussing how they're gonna. And physically Klaus is kill. essentially stalling for time, right? Uh, while they're cutting Violet, they're going to cut Violet's head off in front of an audience. And they're gonna a make Klaus audience, do it, and they're gonna make Klaus do it, and. And essentially, the the climax of this uh, whole thing is like then the actual white faced women like bust in the room are like they're not who they say they are and like we're just fully right. on the run. And then the library's on fire. And then it's just one thing after it's another. Chaos, it's yeah. like total chaos. Violet kind of and is awaking from anesthesia. It has a which is totally. Crazy. I mean, honestly, it has like a rushed ending that feels a bit ridiculous in all respects. But it's all just to set up the best intro of, that any of the books could pop like book nine gets to start in the by far most interesting possible place it it's possibly so could. insane it is insane that that book nine gets this basically gets to rest on the the failings of, of hostile yeah hospital. yeah 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 we need it's hostile like, hospital to be really weird and off color so right. that the rest of the series can be as good as it is because absolutely they are escaping a burning hospital where every single person in it is looking for them right and it's trying to flush them out right. by guarding certain exits which means the only exit klaus sunny and violet can get out is right next to uh count olaf's car right. and i guess there's enough smoke where nobody can see anything going on at all because while all of the henchmen are right by the car right somehow the baudelaire's can sneak into the trunk of that car and they do and the Olaf and them can close the trunk with them inside. Like it's just like so preposterous that nobody is seeing any of this. But it means we finish this book with the Baudelaire's captured. Right. But Count Olaf does not know he has captured the Baudelaire's. Right. Right. Yeah. They self-capture themselves. Um, (laughs) They among us. They among us. Self-report on this one. So. It's great. It makes me so excited for the next one because it means we start the next book 
you know, this one started with just like, they're on the run. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. This one is, they're in the trunk of Count Olaf's car <laughs> going who knows where. Exactly. They, the first thing that has to get addressed in the next book is, is they how do they get, get out, out of this car? <laughs> How do we leave the car? It's fascinating. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, uh, Hostel Hospital, I think on the whole, it just, it. this is the most enigmatic, I think, of mm-hmm. all of them. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, it. It's like it has a plot up to a point. They, they basically, it, it just loses me somewhere. Sure. And I don't know where it loses yeah. me, really. I think it's the most fun Oh, the series fun. is having is a- and that's what maybe sells me on the style of everything before and after it i i think this is one of the better books of the series even though i'm describing it to you as like a fundamentally flawed oh, and yeah. broken it, book it, since it is fundamentally flawed but that's like what makes it's, it's like so it, good it yeah. sells you on the idea that the series is it's sad and it's about these big things but it's also not taking any of that seriously in any respect and like ridiculous things can happen and, right and like what i find fascinating about like reading these books is so much of what happens and how they're told we talk about we don't want books that talk down to kids nothing talks down to kids more than series of unfortunate events like it's literally absolutely the point is that it's completely jumping the shark it's completely like it's doing so many things where it's like it's so ham-fisted it doesn't earn anything but that's that's the style the, of it. it. Yeah, the whole that's thing what it works does. because we've just completely shoehorned every little plot device in. And and at so many intervals, it's the fact that we're shoehorning things in that makes the humor work. And yeah, makes, it gets makes wacky. the whole thing. It's so wacky. I think it's okay s- for the adults to just like not understand that the baby is pretending to be an adult. <laughs> like it's so yeah. patently ridiculous because this is an absurdist world that right. isn't real. If if it were real, these events would be too dark maybe uh but instead we get to be like pretty dark because none of this is believable in the slightest yeah this thing's a, an mc escher painting <laughs> exactly. essentially it's just like there there are connective tissues here that work yeah but it's like clearly an optical yeah. illusion right right, right. which is why i think the tv show uh works does a, does as well an amazing as it does job because yeah. it feel the whole thing feels like a magic trick where you're right. like i know none of this is real and you keep you keep getting me. Yeah. You keep getting me in a different way. And it, even though I can look at it and it's it's like you're telling me this is a red herring. And I'm still like, is this a red herring? <laughs> is it though? Is it though? <laughs> I like uh, this book does have a lot of fun with yeah. the reader, uh, which is really cool. Uh, Sonny says some really long word yeah. over and over, uh, which is uh, you know, for me, kind of groan worthy, but it's obviously very funny. Um, the other thing uh, that you get to do is you get to play a fun anagram game in yep. this one, yes. um, which I, I know you played it. I played yes. it too. I, I I mean, as an adult, I can spot it pretty quick. But, sure. But as as a kid, that's awesome. Like it you get to really like once you, you learn what an anagram is, yeah. you get to you know. This book taught me one other thing, and it was uh, what a snifter is. <laughs> Sure. Which, when I was a kid, I was like, huh, I don't, I don't know about? what a snifter yeah. is. But like when I was older, when the first time I saw a snifter, I was probably, I don't know, 20, yeah. 21 years old. And I was like, I know what That's that is. Snifter. I and learned that just, from my weird 1950s from my, book. <laughs> from my weird uh, indeterminate time yeah, book. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so. I, I, I just think that this is uh, a book that I, I think the ones prior to it make you question the series in different ways right each from from four onward four five and six and seven sorry all make you question what is this series after 
and diff- in different ways. And I feel like eight is the one that sort of tells you, hey, don't worry about it so much. Like it really is not that big of a deal what we're right. doing here. And then my, I don't really, again, like I said, I don't remember that much from nine, but my guess is nine is a little bit more, it's a pretty patently absurd thing i know we're going it's the carnivorous carnival we're going to literally the carnival like it's, let's it's go so it's going to be very goofy and then from then on like the series is going to choose to be quite a bit uh darker and less about the story being told right in front of you and more about the entire rest of the series so these are our last two adventures in just like Here's a little place. We we dropped them in here. What do you think of that? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it's the last serialized portions of this where the rest of it's like really gonna like tie up a lot of loose ends, and it feels like he's just actively choosing violence. He's just like, I'll make it as ridiculous as I can right. before I have to like wrap this stuff up. It's funny too because this is like the last time that these books feel like the Baudelaire's are writing the story in a way, mm. and it becomes mm-hmm. more of the story being about them, yeah, I guess. I yeah. don't know how else to really put that. It's like they're solving a mystery right. up until a certain point, and then it's like, then the story kind of becomes about them and Count Olaf mm-hmm. versus... There, there is a sense in this one. I, I think I get yeah. what, you're, what you're saying, which is that like the previous books up to this point are from Lemony Snicket's perspective, right. but they're sort of being told as if like, how could Lemony know right this level of detail and 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 so realistically while they're being told from lemony snicket as a narrator they are the events playing out as the baudelaire's experience them and from here on out the baudelaire's are trying to solve a mystery right you the reader are now trying to solve the much bigger mystery with lemony snicket the mystery the overall mystery was not as big of a deal up until this point and you were just like oh it's it's a fun hook i'm i'm checking out this lemony snicket guy but now in this one again because of the arg stuff and again because of like everything that's going on Mm -hmm. this one feels like i am also an investigator with yes. Lemony Snicket. Yeah. And now I'm investigating the details of the experiences of the Baudelaire's so that I can figure out what happened. Right. They're less of novellas and they're more like Encyclopedia Brown mm-hmm. or like more like Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. Like it's very you much get just like it. you are in on it now. Yeah. And, and I love that. I love that because like I said, like eventually it stops becoming about really the Baudelaire's right. trying to solve the mystery. And it's more about you trying to solve right. the mystery. You got to figure out the rest. Well, I'm, I'm very stoked to continue because I'm, I'm really starting to go into uncharted yeah. territory. So we'll, we'll be back with this series in a couple weeks with carnivorous carnival. Uh, but next week we're finally going to take a break from the morose, even though this one's really not that like this was a very this was goofy this right it's actually wild. not a sad book except pretty for, much at all except for all of the like weird like death yeah, talk sure. at the end yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's so much death talk in this one <laughs> like they're just like we're gonna kill her we're gonna chop her head yeah, off that's, like, there's it, a it's lot like, of that it's so cartoony <laughs> that it like can't be taken seriously or be actually sad at all it's like no we're gonna cut her head off it's like okay well that's not a thing that happens yeah so i'm not actually clear, scared of this that's the other it's thing. not going to happen because right. they're not gonna cut my head off in this book you are never convinced that that's actually going to take Isn't that place. Weird? I don't think I was even convinced as a kid. It's like, yeah, they, they absolutely this is too get patently out of this. absurd. Right. So we're going to get away from this. It's fine. 
and uh yeah so i'm i'm excited to continue things but next week we get to have a fun uh just a, a chill hangout happy time with For- flora and ulysses by kate DiCamillo. let's go uh, so i'm very excited for a break uh from <laughs> from things that are trying to pretend to be about sad stuff or in some cases are about sad stuff uh i'm still mad at thornhill by the way just so everyone's clear i'm still mad at last week's episode and what yeah. it did to me <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't think i'll ever recover from that i don't think that any i don't think that there's any uh any anywhere we can go from here man i think that uh there's only a way to go and it's up i want to have a good time for the rest of just dad's reading books i I just want to have a good time i just want to smash and crash (laughs) 